Greetings, brothers and sisters. We praise the Lord for his goodness and for his mercy. We thank God, um, as always, for the things that he does, uh, because we know that what the Lord does for us, he doesn't have to do. So um, we remain grateful. We take up an attitude of gratefulness um, to show our appreciation to the Lord Jesus Christ for taking the time that he does to do what he does for us. There's a lot of things out there, um, a lot of people doing a lot of different things and never stopping to glorify God for what he's done, for the patience that he's had. Well, we don't want to be like that. We don't want to fall into that same category. And so we make a conscious uh, decision not to fall into that category and to honor God um, with the reverence he deserves. Are we perfect? No. Have we dropped the ball? Yes. Are we giving up? Absolutely not. We're getting back up because he paid the price for us to get back up when we drop the ball and we're going to glorify God. We're going to do better today than we did yesterday with the Lord uh, helping us to to achieve that. We're not going to do it on our own, but we're going to do it with the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we are back in um, um, in our lesson here. Uh, we started last week talking about spiritual correction. This was um, what the Lord had given us and at the time last week, and it's what he's still given us today. And so we are continuing with that topic of spiritual correction. Uh, spiritual correction is something that, uh, that really, really requires some time to, uh, to process and to think about. It's not a subject that you and I want to move away too quickly from, but tragically, so often it is a subject that we move away so very quickly from. Many people don't want to talk about um, correction, um, especially spiritual correction, um, correction of any sort. Why? Because when we, as we said on last week, um, the type of correction that we are dealing with is the type of correction that falls in the category of punishment. Now, there's many different types of correction, and you can look it up uh, on your own. And, and as the day is long, I suppose you're, you're going to find uh, many different um, um, versions or flavors of correction. But for all intents and purposes, for what we are doing, we are talking about correction in the realm or in the sphere of punishment. Okay. And because of that, this is the type of correction that not a lot of people want to talk about. Not at all. You, you, you'd be hard pressed to find a lot of people, no one's signing up and saying, Hey, hey, <laughs> no one's raising their hand saying, Hey, let's talk about correction or divine correction, spiritual correction. Nobody wants to do that. And the reason why is because when we talk about punishment, what are you doing, talking about? You're, you're, you're talking about getting in trouble for the things that you do. And the reality is, is that a lot of people, well, they just don't want to do that. And I suppose that we can easily understand that, right? Because who wants to get in trouble, right? And if you don't want to get in trouble, um, I mean, it only makes sense that 
you probably don't even want to talk about getting in trouble or the prospect of getting in trouble. It's just a topic that we don't want to deal with. But brothers and sisters, we need to deal with this because we have to understand, and I'm speaking um, specifically at this moment, um, to those of you who have been born again, according to the scripture. Okay, you followed the pattern that's laid down in the book of Acts, uh, chapter two. You can start at verse thirty-six, and you can keep reading, and and your salvation follows that 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 pattern. Amen. So you 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 know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. This is something that you know, and because of that. And, and, and be, be, because of that, because you have been saved, because you have been born again, uh, according um, to, uh, to the scripture, when it comes to um, dealing um, with correction, it's a topic that we have to talk about that needs to be talked about. Because when you're saved, you, you were adopted into the royal family of God. We are now heirs and joint heirs with Christ. We are now, we are, we are the body of Christ, but we are, but guess what? We are a family. The Lord is our father and, and we are spiritual brothers and sisters. And, 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 when you're part of a family, okay, when you're part of a family, um, and not just any family, but a loving family, well, there's going to be correction that is present and accounted for in a, that type of family, okay? Correction is part of it. It's part of growing up. It's, it, you, you, you're going to deal with it. You, you and I, you, listen, in the natural, as you grow up, you didn't start out knowing everything that you perhaps needed to know or would end up knowing. So you bumped your head and you and and you 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 ran into a few walls, brick walls, a few obstacles, and you had to learn some things the hard way. But then there were other things that you learned through correction. Some stuff you learned through. There were lessons learned. I, I, I hit my head against the wall and, and I learned from that, right? That's true enough. But then there are some lessons that you, that, that you, that you learned through correction. Now, we're continuing with this topic of spiritual correction because brothers and sisters, since we are part of the family of God, and this family has a hierarchy. God is our father. We are his children and we are brothers and sisters. Okay. Well, if the Lord is our father, right, then you do need to have an understanding, a good solid understanding of how the Lord deals with his children. Okay. Now, the, now we can look as far as the day is long through the scripture and we can see how the Lord deals with those who are not his children. We can see that. But the scripture is chock full of information about how God deals with his children. And we would be remiss if we move too quickly past and just gloss over those things on our way to get the next, get to the next scripture that, that tickles our fancy because we like the way that it says, no, listen, don't skip over the hard stuff. Don't skip over those things because you, you remember if God 
because he's our father, it's his responsibility. And this is something that we learned on last week. Now, when we stopped, this is the second lesson in this topic of spiritual correction. And, um, and as we pick up from last week, okay, we started talking about two particular scripture sets. Now, I gave them to you in this order. I gave you Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 13, okay? Although we didn't go through all of that, we just went through um, a, a, of the, uh, a couple verses, a couple of the first verses in that scripture set within Hebrews, okay? And then I gave you Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 through 13, okay? And when we last left off, what I told you was, was that we would get into this Proverbs 13, 11 through 13, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Proverbs 3, 11 through 13. And then we would couple that with um, Hebrews 12, um, verse uh, starting at verse five, and we'll begin to tie all of that stuff together. So let's, let's quickly get back um, to where we were, okay? In Hebrews chapter 12, verses five through 13, I may not read all of it, but, but I wanna at least get us where we were, okay? Verse number five says, and ye have forgotten the exhortation, which speaketh unto you as unto children. Okay, you've forgotten the encouragement. You're for, you've forgotten these these things. Okay, uh, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. Amen. Verse number six: For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Amen. Now, I, we, we went about as far as that. I know the set goes all the way to 13. We haven't gotten all the way there yet. The Lord willing, we will get there, but I stopped right there. And what I told you was, was that when we get to Hebrews, all right, and we read this, all right, verse number five says, you have forgotten the exhortation, which speaketh unto you as unto children. And then he begins to tell us what that exhortation, he begins to tell us the writer of Hebrews, okay, begins to remind us of just of what this exhortation is that has been forgotten. Remember, he started out, you've forgotten the exhortation, that admonishment, that encouragement. He says, you, you, you've forgotten it, okay? And, and, he, and he wants you, he wants you, he wants you to know that you literally, that I literally have I have I forgotten what it was and see and this for <laughs> when he says forgotten forgotten here all right you need to understand something that's that this particular forgotten literally means to lose remembrance of something entirely so this was not something that you just placed that you misplaced in your mind okay he, when he says you have forgotten the exhortation all right when he tells you that you've forgotten the exhortation, he's not telling you that you casually glossed over it. He's not telling you that you put it on, or that you casually um, put it on the side somewhere, and you and you still kind of know it, but um, but you just lost sight of it. But it's there. No, the writer is telling us what God is instructing him to tell us. He's saying you have completely lost it. You, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's almost as if you never knew it in the first place. It is completely gone, not completely put aside, completely gone. You have completely lost remembrance of, 
what I said. Now, you understand something here, okay? Because let me segue in here. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of God, we cannot afford to have that be something that we completely lose mental track of. In other words, we completely forget it. We cannot do that at all. We cannot afford to be as those that where it may have, it, it, we, it, we, um, we would have done better not reading it at all. I'm talking literally no remembrance of it whatsoever, completely losing track of it. To, to, to make the picture even more clear, I want you to think of, of, I want you to think of taking something valuable, okay? All right? Not realizing what, how the value of what it is, right? And it mistakenly finds its way into the trash bin. And I want you to imagine taking that trash bin out, dumping it into the canister. And then I want you to further imagine that it's the, it's, it's, it's trash pickup day. And so the, 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 the garbage man comes and he picks up that trash and it is gone, 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 out of sight, out of mind, completely gone. Something valuable, something that you needed but you didn't realize you needed it. You didn't realize how valuable it was. And because you did not realize how valuable it was, you did not put it in the place it should have been. It should have been in a place in your life that was exempt from garbage day. The word of God has got to be more important to us brothers and sisters than what we make it out to be. We are taking in, we are doing too much taking in the word of God and, and, and not valuing the word of God for what it truly is. And so we too often, far too often, that which should be held in the highest regard and in the highest esteem, too often the word of God it's finding its way into our personal trash bins of life that we're setting by the curb for the garbage man to pick up. And such a thing should not be. Why? Because again, the psalm writer said, David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You and I can't afford to let the word get put out with yesterday's trash or today's garbage. We cannot afford to do that because the word of God is not trash. It is not garbage. It is priceless. And, and, and in case you missed it, it's the thing that's going to keep you, if you will obey it, if I will obey it, that's going to keep us from falling into sin. Amen. Amen. So he says, you have forgotten the exhortation. You, you, you've just, you, you've, 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 you've forgotten the exhortation. You completely thrown it out. You've completely lost track of it. You completely do not remember as if you never knew it in the first place. 
He says, you, you completely forgot the exhortation. The encur- you, you forgot the encouragement that you received. You forgot the comfort that you received. That's what he means when he says, when he says, you for, you, he, when he says the exhort, you, you've forgotten the exhortation which was spoken to you. He was te- to spoken to you at, uh, as unto children. Now, what does he mean by that? Now, when he tells you that you've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you, rather, as unto children. The picture that you want to put in mind is is the concept of or the mental picture of a child, okay, who is something has come up and it has just rocked the world of that child. The child is just in a tizzy, just in a in a just all up in arm. Just the child is 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 stressed out and in distress, worried and concerned and panicking. And if you're a parent, you 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 know what that you know how t- at times children can they they don't have the benefit of all of the experience that you do. So when they come across certain things, certain problems, certain obstacles for the first for the first time, many times those obstacles can feel to them as world shattering and world ending. They just don't know how we're going to overcome that or what's going to happen. And it feels like all is lost. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Let give a, give a kid piece of candy and, or some ice cream and they really want it and have it drop on the ground all of a sudden, accidentally, man, I'm telling you that child is more than likely is going to have, going to have some kind of problem with that, but you can plug and play. You can take that example out and put another one in there. Think of, how how think of how children can tend to react when the unexpected happens and it's in the negative sense how exhausting it is how stressful it can be for them now i want you to get in picture in your mind the picture of a parent who comes with the word of comfort the words to get the child back on track the child has just become un, just just unsettled because of what has happened. But the parent comes in having that experience, having that knowledge. And that mom and that dad knows just what to say in order to calm the fears and the worry and the stress to cause what was just in a moment, just the, the world was on fire. But that parent and knows the words to say in order to put out the flames that were just raging out of control in the life of that child. They spoke, they're, they're able to speak words of comfort to put them in perspective. Well, this is exactly what the writer is talking about here in Hebrews. And that's the picture that you and I, brothers and sisters, ought to have. He says, you've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. You've forgotten the words that were given to you. I've forgotten the words that were given to me at a time when I just felt like I wasn't going to make it, when you felt like you couldn't take it, when you felt like this was never going to work, when you felt like there was no way out of this mess, there was no way through this, there's no other side to this thing. You know what I'm talking about. 
yours might be different from mine, but we but we all share these experiences. Remember what that was like. And what the writer is saying here is that there were some words that were given to you. There was some encouragement that was given to you just as a parent gives words of encouragement to a child that feels defeated and deflated because something did not work the way they intended it or they thought it was supposed to be. That's the same picture. And so he says, you've forgotten that exhortation. Okay. And he says, my son, despise not thou the chastening. And then we say chastening, we're talking about the correction. Amen. The correction of the Lord. Amen. Despise. He says, look, don't, 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 whatever, don't despise the chastening or the discipline. Okay. Of the Lord. Don't do that. Okay. Okay. That when it's the chastening means the, the, the imposing of, 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 of painful consequences or some other or uh, disadvantage that's been placed upon a person because of their disobedience. Okay. And it's for the part and it's for the purpose of improving that person. Remember, we started out last week and we, and we gave kind of a, a definition or uh, to, to correction. To the word correction. We said it's punishment intended to rectify or to put right or to purify or to refine. That in a nutshell is what correction, at least that is what, and that's exactly the type of correction that we're talking about. That correction, that pun, that, that, that punishment that's intended to rectify. Okay. And by rectify that we mean to put it right. If it was wrong, if it got out of order, it, it put it right to purify it. If it got dirty and got tainted, we're pulling out the impurities and to refine. Do you get what I'm saying? If it has some things, qualities in it that are not good, we, we listen, it goes through a refining firing process. Amen. In order to bring out or to push out or to surface that which is not needed so that it can be discarded. Amen. And for that, you can think of, uh, of a metal worker who smelts down metal, uh, metal ore to get the impurities out. Okay. Amen. Amen. We said that we said that correction doesn't have, we said that correction is the purpose of for correction was not for the sake of just of, of was not for the sake of establishing or proving that you're not perfect. That's not why God punishes. And we talked about that at length. So we won't be re we won't rehash that. Okay. Go back to the, the previous lesson to really get into that. But, but suffice it to say, okay, God does not punish us because we are not perfect. No, because if God were to punish us for not being perfect, then that would mean that we would be, con he'd be constantly punishing us, right? Because we're in a fallen nature. Our nature is fallen. We have a sinful nature and that nature is fallen which means that it is not perfect. And if God were to punish you and I on the basis of having a fallen nature, well, one, that'd be extremely cruel or whatnot, but then that would mean that we would be constantly punished over and over and over and over again. Well, God doesn't punish us for those types of things. We discover that God punishes us for the things that we do when we give in to our fallen nature, okay? So you don't have to sin. And I want to say to somebody, you don't have to sin. Just because, listen, 
I, we were, like David said, I was born in sin and I was shaping in iniquity. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Listen, and 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 he, just because I was born with a sinful nature, and just because I have and my nature is fallen, that does not mean, brothers and sisters, that I have to give in to the sin that's always knocking at my front door. I don't have to do that. I do not have to do that. Remember what happened with Cain and Abel when the Lord came to Cain before Cain kills his brother. When Cain is all hot and his countenance has fallen and he is mad, he is hot to try. Do you remember how the Lord tried to get a hold of Cain before Cain made a mistake, before he, before he went too far? He comes to him, and I'm just paraphrasing, and he basically tells him, he says, why, why is your countenance falling? Why is your face all twisted up and distorted and you just looking like, like, you know, like, man, like somebody just done you wrong. It's, it, he goes on to tell him, he was like, wait a minute. And again, I'm paraphrasing. If your brother's sacrifice was, was accepted, if you, yours can be accepted if you do well, if you do the right thing. See, nobody told and nobody forced Cain to give God an inferior sacrifice when the sacrifice from the very beginning was voluntary. That means that Cain voluntarily gave God trash and then got mad that because God didn't want it. Well, let me tell you something. God don't want your trash either. God don't want my trash either. Nobody made Cain give, give no offering. You don't read that. You don't read nowhere where God called them to give a sacrifice. No, that thing was voluntary. Abel voluntarily gave his best. Cain voluntarily gave his worst. That ain't nobody's fault but Cain's. But nevertheless, but look at what the Lord did. Look at what the Lord did. He tried to get a hold of Cain. He said, man, why is your continence falling? If you do good, you know, it's going to be accepted if you do these different things. And he tells him, he said, but listen, I want you to understand something. Sin lieth at the door. Glory to God. I hope you I hope you hear what I am telling you. Sin. Lies at the door. Look what he told him. This is literally what he this is literally what he what he told him. He tried to help Cain. Go back to Genesis 4 and 7. If thou doest well, this God break look at he's trying to help he's trying to help Cain before Cain derails. If thou doest well. Shalt thou not be accepted? This is Genesis 4 and 7. And if thou doest not well, look, look at what he says. Sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire. In other words, he said, you're you going to be tempted. If you don't do well, sin lieth at the door. It's at the door. 
But look at how he finishes. He says, and thou shalt rule over him. In other words, you don't have to sin. He said, if you're doing wrong and you start doing the wrong kind of stuff, doing the wrong thing is going to tempt you to continue to do the wrong thing. Sin going to be at that door. And I'm trying to tell somebody, I'm trying to warn somebody, sin is at your door. Sin is at your door. You are entertaining the wrong things. You are saying the wrong things. You are going the wrong places. You are doing the wrong things. And all that you're doing is creating an environment so for Satan to utilize in order to amplify and to fan the flame. And he's trying to call you further and further and further into unrighteousness. I'm telling you, sin lies at the door. See, when you start, when you start, listen, sin is a slippery slope. And when you start walking down that road, you're going to lose your footing and you're going to slide. And if you don't get off that road, you're going to slide right into hell. Because God is not playing with nobody. Too many of us got the same problem that Cain had. We want to give God second best and then get mad when we don't get blessed. Now you tell me, why is God supposed to bless me when I'm giving him trash? How do you even fix your mind to think that God is supposed to bless you and you know you are doing wrong by God? You're not even almost giving God your best. You come to church out of ritual and habit. But you're so far checked out of service, you've been checked out a long time ago. And all you're doing is going through the motion. And the truth of the matter is, is that somebody listening to it, the only thing, reason why you keep going is because you're scratching a mental itch of yours. You're trying to appease your own conscience. But the reality is, is God ain't in your worship. He ain't in your service. Because you're not there for him. You're there for your own ego's sake. Handing God trash. Trying to figure out why you ain't on fire for the Lord. You're not getting ready to get the joy of the Lord in all its intensity, giving God second best. I'm not going to get that doing that kind of stuff. Told Cain, listen, man, sin lies at the door. And unto you shall be, it's after you, man. And, but look at what he said. But And thou shalt rule over him. In other words, it don't have to be. Listen, it's coming and it's knocking at the door, but you don't have to open that door. Some of you listening to this right now, you, listen, you need to go back to the basics. Didn't your mom and your dad or whoever it was tell you don't open the door for strangers? Man, sin is a stranger. And you need to stop opening the door. Because every time we open the door, he's so loud and obnoxious and unruly. He just bogart his way in and he stay and he squat and he take over. And before you know it, the whole place is a mess. And that's a metaphor for your life. Your whole life is a mess. And it all starts with taking in just a little bit of sin. 
hope you better hear it. You better hear it. You better hear it. You don't have to sin just because you were born with a sinful nature, just because I was born with a sinful nature. No, we don't have to fall into that. We absolutely do not have to fall into sin. We don't have to do that. So when God punishes us, he's not punishing us because we have a sinful nature. No, we get punished because we choose to give in to that sinful nature. My Bible tells me we're more than conquerors through Christ. Ain't no reason I got to go around losing. You got to go around losing the battle to sin. No, you don't have to do that. But the word of God says to make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Some of you got to stop planning to fail. You literally, your problem is that you plan to sin. Because you love it. You love that sin. You don't want to let it go. You like the way it makes you feel. You're used to doing it, but you can't serve two masters. This is why you're in so much mental conflict right now, because you're trying to serve two masters and you are in the state of conflict. You are conflicted in every way. Part of you want to do the right thing, but there's another part that want to do the wrong thing. And every time you give in to the wrong thing, the desire to do even more gets greater and greater and greater. You don't have to fall into sin. You don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. See, correction, God don't correct you because you're not perfect. But rather, correct, so then correction is not for, and it's at its core, it's not for the purpose of establishing that you're not perfect, okay? It's not for the lack of perfection and to show that you're not perfect. That's not the purpose of it. Correction is for the purpose of helping you reach perfection. See, that word in Hebrews where we read, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. That word chastening means discipline, okay? It means discipline. Okay, but it means discipline. It's purposeful discipline. It's not just discipline for the sake of discipline. No, it is discipline that has as its goal that of improving or correcting or perfecting a thing. That's what that word chastening means. That's what it's about. That's what it's talking about. When God chastises us, it's because he knows that it's needed in order to help us become perfect. Not because we simply are not perfect. 
God has a goal for you. And his goal is for you to be perfect, to be upright, righteous and holy in all your ways. That's God's plan for you. It's God's plan for me. But he can't just leave that in your hands. Why? Because there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is that of death. See, on our own, we ain't gonna come to it. So he comes to the end and provides that. Why? Because correction is one of the tasks that falls to those that have been made responsible or who are in charge. And when the Lord brought you into his family, he voluntarily took up the responsibility of providing for you and making sure that you have what you need. He is responsible for you. And because he is responsible for you, then he is responsible of, for provi providing that which you need in order to reach perfection, even if the thing that is needed is a bit of correction every now and then. Amen. Amen. So he says, despise thou not. Amen. Despise thou not the chastening of the Lord. Now, when, <laughs> when he says despise thou not, okay? The word despise there is a very interesting one because when you look into it, the, the, the nuts and bolts, the workings behind the type of despise that's being talked about here, okay? It, it doesn't mean he's not talking about you, he's not talking about you rejecting. He's not talking about a complete all-out rejection of discipline or chastisement, correction. He's not talking about that. Now you would think that, but that's not actually what that, that's not actually what's being, being referenced here. It's not the complete total rejection of what it is of, of it. Okay. Now that can happen that, that that's part of it, but that's not the totality of it. Okay. This word here is a little more nuanced than that. It carries another flavor with it, so to speak. And that flavor that you don't immediately taste when you take in this word, despise in this text, is, is that you don't immediately get this flavor, that of the flavor of it meaning that you're taking a thing lightly. So not just, a, not all out rejection of a thing, like ignoring it and pretending it's not, no, 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 no. It's more than that. But it also, but it really, really drives home the point of you not taking what's given to you seriously. You esteem it very lightly. You put very little value in it. In other words, 
chastisement correction come? When he says, when the chastisement come, don't despise it. What he's saying is, is don't play around. Don't take it lightly. Don't act like it's voluntary. That don't, don't act like it's optional. Now, nah, what God is telling you is mandatory. Don't esteem it lightly. That's what he's telling you. That's what he's telling me. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it for granted. Don't let it just be, don't, don't let the lessons of God be in one ear and out the other. Don't think so little of what you're going through. Take some time and pro you got to chew on it, man. You got to chew on it, brother and sister. You got you to gotta take your time. When God chastises you, don't just run, try to run through that to hurry up and get over. No, God is teaching you something. And you need to get the lesson before you move on. Amen. Too many of us, we, we oh, man, you just want to hurry up and get it over. And you done missed the point. You don't even know why you got in trouble. You just focus on how to get out of trouble as quickly as you can. Even at the expense of just completely bypassing and missing everything that's gone before. Now, he says, for whom the Lord loveth, verse number six in Hebrews chapter 12, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Now, the writer of Hebrews, when he tells you in verse number five that you've forgotten the exhortation that was given to you, he was also referring to the fact that this here that he was getting ready to tell you, and what was he getting ready to tell? What he was getting ready to tell them was, was this. Guess what? Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Okay? Don't do that. Um, don't despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, meaning don't give up. Okay. Don't fall apart. You know, don't, don't take it lightly and don't fall apart. And don't, that's what he was telling you. He says, he says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Now, what he wants you to know is, is, is that this instruction, because remember he was telling you that you, that they, that the, that the ch that the church, they had forgotten this exhortation. They had forgotten this message. They had forgotten this word. Meaning that this was already told to them before. Well, where was it told to them? It was told to them in the book of Proverbs, chapter three, verses 11 and 13. And this is how we tie that in together. Okay. Verse uh, Proverbs three, 11 through 13 is actually the first occurrence of what we're reading in Hebrews. This is the origin. This is where we, at least as far as in scripture, this is where we see it. And it reads, my son, despise not chase the chastening of the Lord. Uh-oh. Didn't we just read that in verse number six? I mean, in, in verse number five, he says, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Amen. Again, look at verse number five in Hebrew. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. He's saying the same thing. This is what he's telling you. Don't get tired. Listen, don't play around and take the correcting and the correction of God lightly. And don't get tired of God correcting you. 
Don't get weary of God correcting you. Don't get to the place where you're like, you know what? I don't want that, so I'm out of here. Don't do that. For whom the Lord loveth, going back to Proverbs, now chapter three, verse 12 now. For whom the Lord loveth, he what? Corrected. Even as a father, the son in whom he delighted. Now go look, look at verse number six in Hebrews chapter 12. For whom the Lord loveth, he what? Chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. He telling you the same thing. The same thing that you read in Hebrews 12 and 6 found its origin in Hebrews, Hebrews, it's in Proverbs 3 and 12. The same thing that you read in Hebrews 12 and 5 found its origin in Proverbs 13 and 11. He's telling you the same thing. The wording gets a little different, but because now you're moving from Hebrew to Greek. Amen. But the essence is the same. Verse number 13 in Proverbs chapter three, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Amen. Amen. See, they forgot that. They had forgotten that. For whom the Lord loveth, he corrected. Many times we say, man, I don't want the Lord to have to deal with me. But take a step back. Take a step back. We say, I don't want the Lord to have to, to deal with me. But is that really what you want? Because the word of God is telling us that whom the Lord loveth, he chastened. I don't want God to have to get on my case. But he only getting on your case because he loves you so much. There's potential in you. And there's a goal for you. There's a plan in motion for you. And God is determined to get you to that final place, to that end result, to that end goal. God sees what you don't see and what I don't see. See, God knows what I can be. And he knows what I will be. Because it's his divine prerogative to call me and to make me what he wants me to be. And it's the same for you. See, you get in trouble. I get in trouble when you don't want God's plan. When I don't want the plan that God has for myself and I want to take life by the horns and I want to run this thing on my own. 
that's when I get into trouble. That's when you get into trouble. God created you. So yeah, he kind of has a say in what your purpose is. God wants you and I to cooperate and to work with him as he achieves perfection in us. But so many times, so many times, we don't want that. We want our own way. We want to do it our own style and in our own pattern. We don't want God's plan. We'd rather substitute it for our own. And then we have the audacity to get upset and bent out of shape and all these other sorts of nonsensical, ridiculous things when God turns around and he doesn't bless any of that stuff. Well, you tell me, why is God again supposed to bless mess? Because he didn't do it before. You don't find in the scripture where he was just blessing mess. So if he wasn't doing it for them, what makes you and I think he's going to do and start doing that for us? God is holy. When, when, are, when are we going to get that? God is holy, pure, righteous, and clean. And you can't play games with God. He is undisputed. You can't unseat him. You cannot take his throne. You cannot, really, you can't fight against God. Paul tried it when his name was Saul. And when the Lord Jesus visited him, he's like, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In other words, you kicking against these golds or these spikes. You, you Listen, you fighting against me, but you only hurting yourself is what that means. How long are you going to keep hurting yourself? To achieve nothing. The totality of life is not what you can acquire on this side and all the things that you can do and you can amass for yourself. It, it's not. There is life after this. And you are either going to spend that life eternally with the Lord or you're going to be eternally in hell. But you will, listen, but you will continue forever. You're going to have that. You will definitely have a tomorrow. Not necessarily a tomorrow on this side. But there will be a tomorrow for you in, in eternity. And you need to choose very carefully what your tomorrow in eternity looks like. Because God is giving you the option and the opportunity to choose that while you're here. And you got to understand, this is not a choice that you're going to be able to make when you're at the gate, when it's, your, when it's arraignment day, when you got to stand before the Lord on judgment day. You're not going to be able to make that choice. That choice is being made today. It's being made right now. With the way you choose to live right now, the way you choose to act, the way you choose to carry yourself, you are making a choice every day 
of what your eternal tomorrow is going to look like. And I'm telling you, either it's going to be comfortable or it's going to be hot to try. But you need to decide. But this wishy-washy stuff where you're thinking that you're going to get it. Listen, ain't no purgatory, man. Ma'am, there's no purgatory. You're not getting no layover. Ain't going to be no holding, no, no holding tank for you to try it one last time. No, ain't going to be none of that. Man, when we was growing up as kids, we'd be playing ball in the street, all sorts of different games with, you know, with a ball or kickball or, you know, uh, you know, we had a batting ball. We'd call it swap ball, all kind of different things. We, we, you know, we, you know, all kinds of different games. And, and man, I tell you, man, when you out there playing that ball, it don't matter whether it's basketball or whatever else it is, some or football, you out there playing with the, you know, with, with, with the other kids or whatever. I mean, it seemed like it was always inevitable that somebody was going to do something, you know, knuckleheaded or whatever else. And somebody was always going to shout out, do over, do over. So they make a move. And when it didn't pan out, they'd be like, do over, do over, calling for a free shot or a chance to, to do it all over again. I don't know why some of you think that when it comes to your eternal life, where you're going to spend your eternity, why you think you're going to call a do-over when your time is up? You're not getting no do-over. That stuff, that mess might have worked in street ball, but it don't work. On, it don't listen. It don't work with your soul. If you want to go to heaven, you better act like it right now and live for Jesus with everything you got. Give him everything. Stay with him. Don't betray him and run out on him because the world getting topsy-turvy. Don't get all beside yourself and, and, and boss up on God and decide you're going to tell, you're going you're gonna to get mad at God because of the evils in the world. Man, look, the evils in this world because of sin. Men did this. You look at the news and you see slayings and, and murders and all kinds of different things and, 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 and thefts and robberies and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, and, and, you, and the devil want to try to get some of y'all to, to question God, like, God, where you are and all of this. God tried to get you and keep you from doing this in the first place. So how is it his fault? Nah, it's our fault. It's our fault. We chose this. We made this mess. And it's an end coming to it. Because it ain't going to be like this always. We chose this ridiculousness. We chose to drop the word of God from everything. We chose to turn away from God. We chose to entertain all this other kind of stuff and ideology. We did, we did this. And every time we sin and do and and have done something wrong, we had a hand in creating this. We distorted and messed up God's creation. We abuse it like there's no tomorrow, and consequently, we abuse one another like there's no tomorrow. 
but it's coming to an end. The end of all things is coming. Oh, yes, it is. And we just about there because the Lord is sure to return. I don't care whether you believe that or not. The Lord is sure to return. And I'm trying to tell somebody he's all you got. You better listen. You better turn from your sin. You better repent of it. You better stop all your smoking and drinking and lying and premarital sexing and cheating and adultery and all. You better stop your stealing. You better stop your lying, your murdering, your raping. Your, you better stop all of this. Your homosexuality, your changing your genders, and all, all the stuff that the word of God say don't do, you're doing. And then you're going to be mad when you don't get in. I'm Listen, hey, I'm duty bound to tell you what that word say. And we're not shying away from that from nobody. I didn't write that. Through. God did that. He wrote that. All your compromising. All your second guessing. All your doubt and all belief. You better, you better can all that. Because you ain't going to make it to heaven that way. I can't make it that way. My goodness. My, 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 my. Whom the Lord loveth, he correct. We say, God, I don't want your hands. I don't, I don't want to deal with that. My goodness, this is good today. I just love the word that God gives us. Proverbs 3 and 12, for whom the Lord loveth, he corrected. Even as a father, the son in whom he delighted. Do you, beloved, do you hear it? He corrects the children that he delights in. That literally means that he loves you so much. He's willing to correct you. But we don't want that. We don't want that. But what did verse 11 tell you? My son, despise not chasten the chastening of the Lord. What did Hebrews 12 and 5 tell you? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord nor faint when thou art rebuked of, of, of him. Don't get weary of it. Don't turn away from it. No, no, no. Don't get tired of God. Listen, no, I understand. Nobody want to get in trouble. But would you really rather God leave you in your sin and don't tell you what's going on and then just, uh, just listen, and just allow you to slide right into hell? Don't you want him to tell you what you need to know in order to make it? Listen, there's a divine roll call that's coming and your name better be on the list or you're not getting in. I don't know about you, brother, but you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm determined to make roll call. Oh, yes, I am. I'm determined to make roll call. If I got to give up every, I, it just gone. Bye. I don't need it. Purify me, Lord. 
create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. You got to get there. Where you saying, Lord, wash me and cleanse me. Every time I get a smudge, every time I get dirt on me, wash me and cleanse me. Prick my conscience, God, so that I'm always reminded of what you did for me on Calvary. Remind me, Lord, don't, I don't want to walk in unconfessed sin. I don't want to do that. Because when I'm saved, my sin breaks fellowship with you, and I can't stand to be apart from you. I've got to have you, Jesus. I repent. I repent of my sin. I'm sorry for all of it. I got so many sins to my name and so many things. I can't, man, I done lost track. But Lord, forgive me. You got, listen, I'm, that's where you got to be. That's where you got to be. You got to have that mindset where you got to turn to God. You should never be okay with sinning against the Lord because such a thing, I don't care what you do, it is not okay, and it never will be okay. Don't despise the chastening, the correction of the Lord. Take a lesson from our one of our elder brothers in the wall. Take a lesson from Simon Peter, the apostle, the wood, who would become the apostle. The word of God says in John 13, I want to start about I'm going to start at verse 1. Now therefore the feast of Passover when Jesus knew that his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world. He loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper, laid aside his garments. I want you to keep in mind, he said, knowing who he was. He knew that he was come from God and was on his way to God. He knew, he, he, he knew who he was. He knew his place. He knew what he had been given. He knew what his power, he knew all of that. But watch this. He rises from supper and in spite of who he is and how worthy he is, how righteous and holy, listen, he rises from supper and laid aside his garment and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Look at what he's doing. After, after supper and after realize, knowing, knowing who he is, knowing, in other words, knowing that he did not have to do that, 
knowing that he was above that, knowing that everyone should have been doing that for him. But look at what he did. He laid it aside and he took up the towel. And he dried their feet, washed it and dried their feet. Now watch this. Then cometh he to Simon Peter. And Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Lord, are you, are you really going to do this? Is this, is this really happening? You going you gonna to wash my feet? Jesus answered and saith unto him, what I do now knowest not now. What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. He says, listen, Peter, I know this doesn't make sense to you right now. Not now, but it will. But it will. The act, what I'm doing here, it's going to come into focus, but not now. It's going to be later. And look at what Peter, Peter had a good intention, a good heart. So I don't want you to think that Peter came from a negative place when this happened, that he intended. That's not what it was. He said, Peter saith unto him, this is verse number eight in, in John chapter 13. Thou shalt never wash my feet. Peter was like, Peter loved the Lord. And he didn't think that the, and knowing what he knew. No. He didn't want the Lord to wash him. No, no, no. He didn't want him to do that. He didn't want the Lord to wash him. But see that washing symbolizes the forgiveness of sin and the, and and all of these different things and, and dealing with all of these issues. And it has more implications than that. But he says, thou shalt never wash my feet. But then we'll look how Jesus responded. Jesus answered him. If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. You got to be clean. You got to be washed. And you don't understand when, when, when the Lord is correcting you, when you mess up, when you drop the ball, he's washing you. And a lot of you didn't have not have never realized that. that. But that's what's actually taking place. He's washing you. Every time you get a smudge on you, every time you, do you get what, do you hear what I'm saying? He's cleaning you up. Why? Why does he do that? Because he went to Calvary and he paid it all. He paid for the right for you to be his son and his daughter. And it's just your dad looking out for you. He said, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And look at what Peter says in verse nine. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And then Jesus saith unto him, he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, 
but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. So what he was telling them was this, listen, he said, Peter, listen, Peter said, all, all of me needs to be washed. He said, all of me needs to be washed. But the Lord had to break bread and give him some information. He said, wait a minute, Peter, no, that's not quite right. He said, listen, you already been washed. The only thing that needs to be washed now is just your feet. Because see, you're traveling to and fro. Your feet represent what you're doing and where you're going and how you're living. And depending on, and here's the thing, God's already washed. If you've been born again, God's already washed you. He's, listen, he's washed you in with his blood. He's covered you. But with your feet, you're walking into dirty areas and places that you should not be. You're walking amongst this world and you're dealing with the, the, it's impossible to not get the filth and the grime of this world on your feet. And so your feet need to be washed because your feet represent where you are going, the direction that you're headed in. And so as you travel this road of life, you got to periodically have your feet washed. Because that corrects your behavior. That's where you're going. Your feet is what will take you to the places to either do the right thing or the wrong thing. So he told him, listen, no, 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 no. He that is washed, don't need, need, the only thing he need to do is wash his feet. In other words, you need to correct, you need to keep coming after Jesus. Keep going after Jesus. Keep pursuing the Lord Jesus. Keep running after Jesus. Because in this world, it's easy to lose your way. And so God uses chastisement in order to correct in order to wash your feet. Brothers and sisters, that's all we have for today. We're gonna to pick this back up. Looks like we're gonna be headed into uh, lesson number three. And amen, this has just been good. God is good all the time. I pray that this word will bless you and that you will use it, um, not just for yourself, but share this with somebody else because they certainly need it. I'm gonna go ahead and we're gonna stop here and we'll pick up next week, um, Lord willing continuing down this journey um, of spiritual correction. God bless you. And until next time.